This episode is brought to you by TradeZero and Lupton Capital. Joe Lupton is a paid marketing partner of TradeZero and may receive compensation for introducing customers to TradeZero. This video represents only the views and opinions of Joe Lupton. TradeZero does not endorse the content of this video. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Investing with the Whales podcast. I am very excited today for my guest, John Fieldley, who is the CEO of Celsius. As many of you know, Celsius is my biggest position, has been for the better part of the last two or three years. I continue to be bullish because the company continues to execute very, very well. So, John, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. We're both drinking a Celsius. You can't really see mine because the virtual background, but I'm drinking a, a mango passion fruit. Looks like John has a peach vibe. Oh, yeah. Peach vibe. Is that your favorite flavor? Uh, I like uh, all the all flavors are really good. Peach vibes great in the morning. I got the, you know, the, the traditional orange flavors are number one flavor. That flavors lights out. And behind me, the uh, strawberry lemonade. It's got to be one of the most refreshing, you know, beverages or flavors we've come out with, especially uh, most recently during the summer. So I literally just picked up a case of strawberry lemonade this morning from my package room. So uh, as many people know, I do drink a lot of Celsius. I think I'm up to three or four a day, but I don't drink coffee anymore. This is like my my only caffeine fix and I work out twice a day. So I do appreciate the caffeine. Uh, ironically, someone got worried because they saw Costco was discounting uh you know, some product, I don't know, three or four months ago. And I said, don't worry about it. They're probably just blowing out inventories. They can bring in new flavors, new product. And that's exactly what happened. You know, on that screen behind you, it just showed the uh, the Vibe three pack, which is the tropical vibe, the peach vibe and the Arctic vibe. So is that like the new kind of go-to for the uh, uh, Costco and some of the big box stores? Have they switched over from some of the original flavors to the new Vibe flavors? Yeah, we're doing some high-low uh, promotional activation within the club channel to get the uh, incremental shelf space to get off that aisle into that end cap uh, to gain more trial and awareness. And um, it worked. I mean, the success of it, and you, you mentioned the Vibe Pack, which comes in three great flavors. It's now an 18-pack. That's now in the club channel. So you have our core pack and the 18-pack. So it's we didn't replace one pack for the other pack. That was actually incremental. So the okay. strategy worked. And um, right now, over the last several weeks, uh, we've been doing some promotions in the club channel, and it's it's working really well. Uh, the flavor profiles are great. The packaging looks great. And uh, it's just it's going to be incremental for us. Now, those vibe flavors typically come out in the summertime. So should we see another vibe flavor probably going into the summer of 2023? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're looking at a couple of vibes next year. We got some really good concepts. Uh, the vibe line is really really opened us up. We're working on bifurcating the line. So we'll have our core line that we're going to really driving to get that incremental shelf space. And then we see we're learning more about the consumer on the vibe line. We think it's going after more of a traditional energy drink consumer, especially as we gain more distribution with the Pepsi partnership into more traditional, you know, convenience store shelf space where traditional energy drinks are sold. So we're learning more about it, but we're really bifurcating the line. So you have your core line, we'll have our vibe line. It offers our sales team members more product to sell and really to, you know, grab that shelf space, which is so important to get that billboard effect. So there's a lot I want to talk about in the next 20 or 25 minutes. Um, you guys had a phenomenal Q3, lots of great news. Obviously, Q3 earnings beat expectations, blew out my wildest expectations. I was a little nervous that you guys were going to run into some hiccups between, you know, while you tra transferred over or switched over to Pepsi, clearly that didn't happen with the numbers that you guys put up. So, um, I mean, first off, you've been the CEO for Celsius for how long now? Yeah, since 2000, really, I did a dual role. So since 2017, so going on five years. 
And what did the company look like back then? I mean, a lot of what we know about Celsius now with the store counts and the Pepsi distribution deal, I mean, none of that existed four or five years ago, right? Yeah, no, none of that did. We were really, I mean, really focusing on grocery channel and the fitness channel at, at that point in time in 2017, really working on, we're going direct to retail uh, and leveraging the wholesaler network. We were in 7-Eleven, so we're really nurturing that relationship back then as well. Uh, we had some big wins with 7-Eleven in 2017 and 18, where we gained more distribution on a national level. Uh, but, uh, you know, the company has totally transformed uh, over since 2017 when I took over the role as uh, CFO. And if you go back, I've been with the company since 2012. So it's been a long time. When I started, we were getting kicked out of every retailer in the country. So it's really a turnaround business here from uh, where we're at today. It's just exciting. I mean, it, the, the brand is resonating with a, such a broad consumer base and the product's great. So during the pandemic, when the fitness channel sort of shut down, right, gyms were closed and that, you know, you guys lost some revenues because of that, you turned your focus to Amazon, correct? Yeah, I mean, we changed everything, really. I'm big on task force. Um, it was a scary time. Um, I have a lot of team members, uh, especially on the sales team sides that are, you know, direct to retail territory managers. We have team members on key accounts. We, and, and our marketing field teams as well. So we repositioned a lot of our team members. We created a variety of different tax force. One was Project Pickup, trying to engage with our retailers who have gained access to their websites, uh, to their digital platforms. So we did a lot on, on Amazon, a lot of digital pickups, Instacart, um, you know, GoPuff, those type of omni-channel platforms. That was uh, that really helped us out, I think, uh, you know, changing the position. I had sales team members that didn't deal with any digital buyers, really focusing and trying to find the digital buyers in these retailers. And that has totally changed. As a great example is, you know, you go to Instacart. We were one of the first sponsors of the beverage aisle in Instacart. We were working on that prior to the pandemic. And I remember that March of 2000, uh, you know, when that when the pandemic hit, we were we already had our the aisle covered as the official sponsor of the beverage aisle. And, uh, you know, so it, timing is a lot. Uh, we worked with them very close. We do extremely well on Instacart today. And it's a, it's another great opportunity. But you also do great on Amazon. You guys are now number two on Amazon, nipping on the heels of Monster, correct? Yeah, that is correct. We've been, uh, you know, number three, number two for some time now. If you go back the last several years, it's, we've been, uh, you know, it, it just, that's what gets us excited that this, this brand resonates with a really uh, broad consumer. And we have a major opportunity now that we fixed, really optimized our supply chain with Pepsi and distribution, um, you know, to see how high high is here because uh, we are number two, and and that's a really a level playing field when you think about it. You know, it's when you look at a retailer having that cold availability and that same shelf space that some of the leading brands have, uh, given Celsius the same opportunity, it, we're, we validated on Amazon we can turn at the at the same level if not better. So people have asked me, do I think Celsius will ever build their own? kind of DTC store, you know, on Shopify or some other platform, you know, where you're more connected one-on-one -on -one to the consumer. But the problem is, I mean, the logistics and the warehousing that you'd have to replicate versus just working with Amazon is expensive and difficult. I mean, I can place an order on Amazon for a case of Celsius and sometimes get it same day, you know, or next day. I mean, it's hard to replicate that. Yeah, I mean, our model, and we really, when I started, we were doing that. We had a, a direct-to-consumer model and we were shipping. I mean, if you can't beat them, you got to join them and figure out how to really optimize the business so it works for everyone. It's an omni-channel world. Consumers, when they want it, how they want it. 
Um, you know, like partnering with Amazon, partnering with Target, Walmart, everyone has their own pickup systems. Um, so I, I think our strategy is to really work with our partners and our partners are our retailers who already have that consumer base, right? So if they're going to come to our own website, you got to trust the website. There's a lot of other uh, challenges you have is that, you know, security, credit card, uh, data capture, uh, you know, potential further cybersecurity issues. There's a lot involved on doing it on your own uh, that you got to think about, plus the warehouse management um, and uh, the, all the infrastructure that comes with that. So let's talk about the biggest news in Q3, which was the Pepsi distribution deal. So they not only, they're not only your primary distributor. I know, I don't know if you guys use the word global distributor yet, because you're not really global right. with them. Um, but they also took a eight and a half percent position, preferred stock for $550 million investment. And they got a board seat. And the guy that joined the board from Pepsi looks like he has a ton of experience in international growth and strategy in Russia, Asia, Australia, Europe. So talk to us about that entire deal how it started, when it started, you know, why you guys closed the deal with Pepsi and, and then what it means going forward. Yeah, I mean, listen, to be qualified by PepsiCo or, is a major, major achievement for the, for the company and a uh, major opportunity for us as, as we're looking forward. Uh, Jim Lee is our board of directors uh, who joined us, um, just a really well-respected and, and, and has a ton of international experience, as you mentioned, is gonna be a great asset to the organization. And then when you look at, you know, the, you know, how this really came about, it was probably the end of June, uh, early July, it came through pretty quickly. They reached, actually reached out to us um, and uh, we were able to put, uh, you know, the, the opportunity on hand, the distribution agreement, as you mentioned, 550 investment and preferred, it's about an 8% uh, ownership in the business. And that was important to us to have, make sure our distribution partner has, uh, you know, skin in the game. I think that, and plus it gives us the additional capital, capital, uh, working capital and flexibility, and then opens us up, um, you know, for, for the, as you mentioned, international, they are our preferred global partner, um, not exclusive, but, uh, preferred. And it opens us up to 125 markets they're in currently. Um, you know, it's going to be a methodical approach on expansion. We have massive opportunity right now in North America. That's where we see the biggest immediate growth and immediate opportunity. And that's what we're working on. You saw in Q3, uh, you know, you were concerned about the transition there as we all were. And we've been preparing really since the day we were discussing uh, the transition to try to make this as smooth as possible because transitions never go well. Right. So we've been extremely focused, still focused today, right now. I had meetings this morning on that, you know, really keeping a close eye on the transition to make sure we can do everything we can to continue the momentum as we're gaining more distribution around the country. So um, it's exciting. There's a lot of opportunity. It's going to be timing and sequencing. Um, you know, some of the more near-term markets we're looking at, we've been looking at and talking about for some time, which is UK and Germany. Australia uh, is a big opportunity as well. They have really good relationships there. And um, so we're, we're talking with those and we'll see where those go. And, um, you know, we'll make sure we uh, have a more of a methodical approach. It's very risky going into new markets as well. Um, and we feel we have a strategic meth methodical approach on entering markets and new territories, but there's a lot of work in the US to do. There's a lot of people that don't even know about Celsius today and uh, low household penetration. We got a lot of work ahead of us and uh, we're excited. We're adding people each and every day. Uh, and the brand's got great momentum now and a great partner. So you said North America, obviously that includes Canada and Mexico. Do you think we'll see a launch in Canada and Mexico in 2023? 
Uh, probably not in 2023, maybe uh, early 2024, I think could be an opportunity there um, as we look forward, maybe sooner uh, based on, on things. There's some regulatory uh, components that might take a little bit more time. We're doing some focus groups and studies now to make sure we really understand the consumer and have the proper strategy, um, timing and sequencing. Um, but North America is a massive opportunity. It's right next door. I think Canada is a, a great opportunity for us. And uh, the product aligns really well with their consumers and um, as well as global consumers with the global health and wellness trends continuing to gain further steam and, and being part of a daily lifestyle. So during the pandemic, we saw a hit to gross margins, primarily because you guys had to go out and overpay for can costs so that you didn't risk running out of cans. Um, are you guys pretty much done with those more expensive cans and we should start to see gross margins tick tick back up? Yeah, I think you start to you start to saw that a little bit in Q3 as we as we uh, dis discussed and has been talking about it really the last several quarters. We made a strategic decision to buy those international cans and and you know you know Monday morning quarterbacking you look back I'd play that same hand again. I, I think it was really important to have that inventory. Um, there was a lot of competitors out there that were wrapping cans. I mean, if you see a wrap can on shelf, it like, you know, brings uh, tears to your eyes in regards to how much those things cost, to be honest with you. Uh, there is no money being made on wrap cans. And uh, it's, uh, you know, so the international was a challenge. It totally, um, we had a lot of key learnings on importing cans and the, the craziness that came along with that and storing cans. But we were able to fill demand. I think that also helped us out, gaining a lot of new consumers. We were able to fill shelf space, take advantage of out of stocks that other companies had. Um, and that helped us out, especially through the Anheuser-Busch network, was able to really keep product on shelf. So I think it was a win-win. I think we gained a lot more consumers by making that strategy. Yes, it was an impact on margins, but we moved the business forward you know, light years. So um, we are going through, in Q3, we cycle through the majority of our international cans. We do have some uh, remaining um, that we'll be cycling through on a few flavors, but it's going to be generally immaterial to margins on a go-forward basis. And we anticipate being somewhere in the mid-40 range on gross profits by the end of the year is kind of what we're, we're looking at as we uh, move into 2023 uh, here. So I think we're in good shape. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure, inflation logistics, uh, can pricing, aluminum, alloys. There's a lot of other input costs. We're gaining more efficiencies with the PepsiCo system as well. So we're trying to produce our product closer to our warehouses, closer to our volume, which will put less miles on cases. So although we have inflationary pressure, we're also gaining leverage with scale, which is helping us uh, you know, maintain some cost structure as well. So, so you just answered my next question, which was going to be, you know, besides help with distribution, what else does Pepsi bring to this relationship? And I assume it's with manufacturing, with logistics, um, in terms of sales and marketing. So Pepsi has what something like 500 to 600,000 coolers in the US. And then there's, there's like 50 or 75,000 um, energy coolers, right? Yeah. So because yeah. they have they, they have they have Rockstar, they have a couple other brands, but you guys will go into, I assume, all of those energy coolers and then eventually get into the five or six hundred thousand stores. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that timing and sequencing through there, they do have massive availability. I think, you know, immediately when you look at bang coming out of their system, that's going to be replaced with Celsius and those energy coolers. So I think there's about 50 to 60,000 out there. So that's somewhat immediate that we'll gain access to cold placements. Then you're looking at about 100 to 150,000 independents. So Pepsi has a program called the Metals Program for independent uh, owners, where actually Pepsi acts as a category captain and manages the cooler space. 
So it's really just think about it as a like a convenience store, like a 7-Eleven or a Circle K. It's a planogrammed set that's re, that is Pepsi manages for these independents. And about 100, 150,000 out there in the US. So we will be planogrammed in those independent coolers. So that's a, another great uh, benefit as well going into those uh, dis that distribution, which we didn't have prior. Also, food service is a massive opportunity. You mentioned you know, some of the coolers that are out there, in addition to the coolers, is vending, um, you know, at work locations, uh, with everyone getting back in the, a lot of companies going back to the office. Uh, food service could be a big opportunity. I know Ramon talked about that in, in prior meetings about he thinks food service is a massive opportunity for Celsius. And we're kind of seeing that as well. And we saw this over the last really several years as people are consuming Celsius. Um, you know, our main usage occasion was a pre-workout, but now we're seeing it also with lunch, you know, afternoon pickups. So, and we're noticing according to the numerator data, we got that at 52% of our sales is coming from increased consumption. So that's our core consumers drinking more Celsius because of its availability. So I think hands down, you know, Ramon could be right here at the end of the day, that food service could be a massive opportunity. We're starting to enter in some, um, some uh, universities, college universities, massive. Uh, and also some sporting arenas we're testing out currently. So you brought up Bang, so I'll just, I'll go off of that. Um, so Bang was number three, you guys were number four, and then Bang got into some legal trouble with Monster. They lost some court battles. The CEO is sort of a loose cannon and Pepsi dissolved that relationship or terminated that relationship. And I have no idea what's gonna happen to Bang because they basically, they lost their distributor and they're gonna have a hard, they're gonna have a hard time rebuilding their DSD network because they've already pissed off every other distributor. So Celsius is now number three in the country, correct? Yeah, that was uh, the latest, the last data we had uh, for the one week data pool. Uh, you know, one week is not a trend, but uh, just uh, full transparency. But the latest uh, data that we had and released on the earnings call, we were the number three energy drink. And it's, uh, you know, it's amazing accomplishment to be at this point. Uh, we're far from number two. I mean, the next hurdle, when you look at where uh, number two, which would be Monster, they're sitting at what, 27% share approximately. And, and you guys are where? You're like five, five now, 5.3? Yeah, like five point, I think it was 4.7 share was the, okay. the last data there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, uh, it, you know, but then you're, you're sitting at number three. There's a lot of other brands coming after you quickly. So it's a, it's a very uneasy number three position to be in. And we got a lot of work ahead of us. Well, when I first bought my uh, Celsius shares back in 2020, I think your market share back then was like 1.2%. So you guys have come a long way in the last two and a half years. <laughs> we have, we um, have, it's, uh, it's exciting. And it's really being, having the product more available has really helped us out. And you go back to 2000, uh, you know, 20, that was uh, right when we were in the, trying to activate a national distribution network was fragmented through Anheuser-Busch, mainly their independence and, um, uh, that was uh, at the point in time we started to get leverage DSD more and more each and every day. So, I mean, I look at a lot of what the analysts are saying about Celsius and their estimates for the next few years. And I think we're going to see numbers continue to e increase as this Pepsi relationship revolves or evolves. Do you think we'll see, you, like, because you guys are working at Pepsi now and some of the efficiencies with manufacturing and procurement, do you think net income margins have a chance to be higher in a few years than? if you hadn't started this relationship with Pepsi? Yeah, I think so. I'm, you know, just, just full transparency right now in regards to like co-packing and production, we're managing that. I think there's opportunities in the future to, to potentially collaborate there, but we're probably, you know, several years away from that okay. potentially. 
really focused on distribution, even, even maybe leveraging some of their supplier contracts. Uh, we're not in any discussions with that. I think that comes later on down the road. Um, they get great pricing. So how can we leverage some of their existing contracts? Uh, it, it does because you're, you're, it allows you to drive scale through the system, and it's all about scale. We're, you know, we're shipping heavy liquid around the country, which is extremely difficult to do. So by having our, our, our co-packing strategically located by the customer, by the distributor, you're going to gain a lot more efficiencies, and that's really what we're working on. So um, I think there is opportunities. Right now, we're really investing ahead of revenue. I know we're putting up really good numbers, and we're doing it profitably versus many other companies that have similar growth rates are doing it uh, invertly on uh, income and EBITDA, but we're driving profitable growth and that's what we're focused on. I think there's additional opportunities there. You know, we're building out sales teams, finance teams, operations teams, and really adding resources as we scale. And then you're going to gain some additional efficiencies and leverage as revenues continue to grow. So I, I think there's definitely margin and leverage in the system that will be unlocked in the future. How is hiring right now? Is it easier or harder to find talent than it was a year or two ago? I would say it's easier now uh, than, you know, two to three years ago. It was, uh, you know, the brand is, is especially with Pepsi getting qualified. Uh, we're able to get a lot more talent on, on the team that we couldn't attract before. So, um, you know, I think everyone is uh, really becoming believers in the brand, seeing the results, having the number three position with the growth that we're putting up. Uh, the analysts, uh, you know, reassuring, um, you know, potential employees about it. We can provide analyst reports and, you know, people see and read, uh, hear what you're saying about the company as well. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know. Well, thank thank you for it. proving me right. I mean, I got bullish a couple of years ago and I've stayed bullish and uh, you guys by far and away have been the best performing stock in my portfolio. You're kind of holding my portfolio together right now as many other growth stocks have not done so well. So, I mean, you guys just, you continue to execute really, really well. I mean, you continue to surpass everyone's expectations. Um, so Costco has been a very, very successful partnership for you guys. And I know recently you also brought on BJ's and Sam's Club. Yeah. Are they off to the same successful start that Costco was? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, we were getting discontinued out of Costco when I started and it was about 65% of our revenue, which was kind of scary at the time. So very cautious on entering Costco and that's, if you were tracking us, that's why we went on a regional basis. We started to test regions uh, before we went national. Um, they rolled us out national. It's been it's been going great. Uh, I mean, it, it's amazing the volume that's going through there. Um, uh, Sam's Club is going to be a great partnership as well as BJ's. I think you know the club business is great. It continues to grow, especially you know where we're potentially headed into a recession, as everyone's talking about. You're going to get a lot more consumers looking for value purchases as well. So traffic should maybe potentially increase there, which will give us additional availability and more consumers opportunities to purchase. So um, that channel has really grown uh, exponentially. And, um, you know, it's a little bit larger than our, you look at like, um, we're told that Monster's overall revenue in the U.S. about 10, 11% is uh, the club channel. So we're a little bit over indexed on the club channel currently when you look at our total mix, but um, that should change, hopefully, with the distribution as we see really Pepsi's uh, distribution further expand. We gain more broader distribution and continue to drive uh, more sales through retail. So hopefully that, that, that should balance out there. So I keep telling people, and you don't have to answer this question. This might be rhetorical, but I keep telling people that I think Celsius is a somewhat recession-proof stock because I think caffeine is one of the last things that you cut out of your, your spending. 
You know, maybe you don't go out to eat to the restaurant. Maybe you don't go out to the movies. I just don't think you're going to cut back on your Celsius. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I actually, I mean, going through the pandemic as well, I thought we were going to lose sales. We didn't uh, with some of the strategies we put in. I figured if folks were at home, uh, there's an opportunity they would move to maybe coffees or teas or some other alternatives. Um, and, and that's not the case. I mean, we've really built a loyal consumer. Celsius is part of a daily lifestyle, a daily routine. And I agree with you 100%. I think there's, uh, we're probably not the first uh, product you're going to cut off your list. Um, you know, you might change the restaurant you go out to dinner at. You might not order, you know, that uh, extra glass of uh, a, a cocktail or wine at dinner, or maybe, you know, not have a dessert. I think there's other ways you're going to be cutting back before you cut your Celsius out of your, oh, you, of your you, you can go into Costco and buy uh, the 15 pack or the 18 pack for less than a dollar 50 a can, or you can go into Starbucks and pay, you know, $6 for your latte. I mean, I think, I think we know which one you're cutting out. Um, you know, last couple of questions, and then I'll let you get back to your, your day. Uh, the 550 million from the Pepsi, uh, deal investment, where do you think you might spend that money over the next couple of years? Are you guys looking at potential acquisition targets? Yeah, I mean, opportunities, right? Being opportunistic. Right now, we want to focus on the core portfolio. We think there's a ton of value to unlock with our core portfolio. Um, you know, if opportunities present themselves, we're going to take a look at them. But uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of value of core Celsius to unlock that. Uh, right now, you're looking at earmarking some funds. We're buying fleet vehicles uh, for our sales team members. So we can get better execution and trade. Um, and also, we're looking at coolers. We're buying a lot of coolers around uh, to really, you know, there's silent salespeople, those coolers. We know we can get the ROI from it. So those are some investments there. We're going to be investing in inventory. Um, and then there's probably some opportunities along the way to vertically integrate, too, if we can uh, extract some additional leverage and margin out of the supply chain. So, um, you know, right now, and, and it's great, especially heading into where we're at, um, you know, having additional working capital on the balance sheet at this time. So I think the company is in a really good spot, um, you know, not looking to raise any capital anytime soon um, it, it, right now. So um, I think it gives us flexibility. And in this environment, as we're looking ahead, I think flexibility is key. So when you say core portfolio, you mean more likely to stick with energy drinks and then expand to new flavors in the original cans, maybe new flavors in the, the bigger cans, the heat cans. Um, I know I've heard chatter that you guys might do a, uh, a lower caffeine version, uh, which might even be required for Canada. I mean, do you guys think we'll get a, a light version at some point with like 100 milligrams of caffeine or maybe even a caffeine free can? Yeah, I mean, we do actually do have that now over in uh, over in uh, Asia. If you look at Malaysia, the product there um, has a lower caffeine content oh, okay. uh, in the product. So it's something we talk about internally. We have a, a great innovation team that's cross-functional. We're looking at a variety of different, um, you know, adjacent categories. I think the big opportunity as well, we look forward is, you know, looking at our partner's portfolio and where is the white space or gaps within their portfolio that potentially we could come out with innovative products to fill those gaps in the future. Uh, with function, clinically proven function, uh, additional attributes. So I think that's the opportunity we have on a go forward basis is looking at our partners, maybe, uh, you know, their portfolio gaps and how potentially we could fill those with innovative uh, brands and, uh, and line extensions. So the last question, and I have to ask this or my viewers would, would be mad at me. Uh, when Pepsi approached you guys in June, did they approach you with hopes of acquiring Celsius? And then you guys kind of settled on an investment? 
Yeah, I mean, originally there was more of a distribution opportunity that they came with us at um, that we worked through, and uh, we, we we landed on the investment side of, of uh, within the transaction there. Um, but uh, you know, there's opportunities within the structure that we have that they can buy additional um, uh, stock out in the open market up to a certain threshold, and uh, otherwise they have to come to the table. Uh, okay. And speak with us, so they can't do a hostile takeover or anything like that. So I, I was wondering if they could buy in the open market. What what can they take their stake up to? Is it nine point nine? I think it's about fifteen percent. They can okay. take their stake up to, uh, okay. and out in the open market, and then they'll have to come to you to the company and, and conduct a negotiation. And we'll do the what's best for the shareholders. We're working for the shareholders here. Our goal is to drive shareholder value uh, and take this brand as far as we can. I mean, even though as a shareholder, an acquisition probably means a nice pop in the stock price. Part of me wants you guys to stay independent for the next few years, because I think the stock is going much, much higher. So, um, but thank you so much, John. Really appreciate it. Always great to chat with you. Uh, keep executing well. Kudos to you and the team. Uh, just phenomenal execution. And obviously the Pepsi is a big win. So excited to see what you guys do in 2023. Excellent. Thanks for having us. Cheers. You got it. Take care. Bye. Please subscribe to Jonah Lupton's different investment services. The first one is Substack. The URL is substack.luptoncapital.com. The second one is StockTwits. The URL is stocktwits.luptoncapital.com. And the third one is for Seeking Alpha. The URL is seekingalpha.luptoncapital.com. And you can see all of those links if you just go to the Lupton Capital website at luptoncapital.com.